Good morning again, everyone. It's good to be here. Blessing to be in fellowship with you all. Please pray for me that I say what the Lord would have said today. And I wanted to come out here and visit you all again and just let you know I love you. Let's start out in in Proverbs 18.24. What I, what I, the Lord laid on my heart this morning. I woke up about 4 o'clock this morning and and uh, praying because I knew the possibility might be that I'd be standing here today and ask the Lord for guidance and what He'd have me to look at to present. And what's been on my heart is our relationship with one another in the body of Christ. How important it is that we love one another and that we realize how much of a help we can be to one another in, in, in the Lord and our service to the Lord and strength we can be. Let's start in Proverbs 18. Proverbs 18 and the last verse. A man that hath friends must show himself friendly. And there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Now we know that Christ is our friend. And He sticks closer than a brother. But it's not limited to that. We, as members of the body of Christ, many times are closer than family members. I have members, members, some of you all here and other places too, that are closer to me than my family members, than some of my family members. I'm thankful for the family members that I have that are in the body of Christ, and they are a special blessing. But sticking closer than a brother, that's what I'm supposed to do. That's what you're supposed to do with one another. Let's look at Hebrews 13. Hebrews 13, and I'd like to read the first three verses. Let brotherly love continue. Let brotherly love continue. Be not forgetful to entertain strangers, but thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Verse 3, Remember them that are in bonds as bound with them, and them which suffer adversity as being yourselves also in the body. I imagine every one of us here have had to have experienced adversity. I know some of you have shared a few of things in your lives that have been hard that you've went through. You know, it's a wonderful blessing to have someone you can turn to. In adversity. It's a wonderful blessing. We know we can turn to our Lord. But our Lord put us here in the body of Christ to be a help to one another. You remember one of the verses we were going to read ahead next to the last one on my list, but let's turn to it now. John 13, one 
probably most everybody could even quote. John 13, 34, and 35. A new commandment I give unto you. Now, why does he say a new commandment? Think about what the commandment is we're going to read. A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. Now, Christ had already told them over in, earlier in the Beatitudes about loving one another. But this was a new commandment because Christ didn't say love your neighbor as yourself here. He said you love one another like I, like Christ Himself loves you and me. He didn't just love him, love me like Himself. It went far above and beyond that. He loved with a sacrificial love. Really a sacrificial love. Think when, whenever they were beating Him. Whenever they drove those... Can you, we can't imagine. Let's think. Somebody driving a big spike nail through our hands and through our feet. Now that's, that's a pretty, pretty hard thing. We stump our toe and we think we're half dead. <laughs> you know... Christ did that for me. He did that for you. That's the way He said that we're to love one another. That's a far cry, far and above loving your neighbor as yourself. We have Scripture after Scripture about the sacrifices we're supposed to be willing to make for one another. And these things, you know, we might we can we can sacrifice our time to come to church, at least when it's convenient, or maybe when it's not. That's a small, that's a little bitty thing. We can even we might even sacrifice some of our time and our finances for a friend or brother, and that's a small thing. It's a little bit more than just coming in the front door, but it's still not a big thing. But sacrificing, let's look over in Ephesians. Just, I'm, I may chase rabbits a little bit here, but this come, scripture comes to my mind Ephesians about husbands and wives. Let's see if I can find it. Ephesians 5. And this is tell what I want to catch here is. The, again, the example of Christ and the church. But he tells husbands to love your wives like this. Verse 25, Husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. Now he gave himself for the church to cleanse the church that he might present it to himself, verse 27, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife 
loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it even as, as the Lord the church. Christ loved us. This sacrificial love to bring us without spot before, before himself, before God, to, to bring us into his kingdom, to bring us, to give us peace and joy and in our own hearts right now, today, no matter what's going on around us that seems impossible, God is in control and He can give us peace. There's nowhere else. We're never going to find that anywhere in this world. It does not exist outside of Christ. And think about how He told husbands to love your wives. Love your wife Do everything within your power to get your wife into the kingdom of God, to give her the peace of God, to let her to let her experience that love of Christ. That's the kind of love Christ had for us as the church. And that's the kind of love we're to have for one another in the body, and in, even in a special way, for a husband toward his wife. I don't know the words to say, to express it enough. It's a special bond, but it's a special love that the Lord puts in our hearts for others. We can't manufacture it of ourselves. It's impossible. We can't fake it. <laughs> it's not possible. We can't fake it. It's either we have it or we don't. But it's only by God's grace that we can have it. Let's look at uh, Job. We all think a lot about, you know, I say we all, I don't know how everybody else, I think a lot about Job quite often. I consider him. And, and, you know, like I said before, I know some of you have shared some of the things you all have went through with me, and I, and I appreciate that. It, that's one of the things I enjoy about visiting with the Lord's people is, is to get to hear what God has done in their lives, how He's brought them through a, a tough time and given them strength whenever they didn't have nowhere to turn. That's a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful thing that the Lord does for us. Job's friends, let's look in the second chapter. I want to, look, I want to think about his friends for a minute. Well, let's just read this. In Job 2, let's read the chapter. Again there, no, before we start, Job had already, God and Satan had already had, Satan had already had this meeting with God and got permission to destroy, kill Job's children, take his livestock, and destroy destroy him financially and destroy him emotionally. And his wife went through all this with him. Sometimes we overlook that. They, they both lost all their children. They both lost all their finances. All these things that they went through up to this point. This has already happened. Now the second chapter, he says, Again, there was a day... When the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them to present himself before the Lord. And the Lord said unto Satan, From whence comest thou? And Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro on the earth, and from walking up and down in it. He's doing the same thing today. Seeking whom he may devour, the Scripture says. And, you know, he's got those that don't know him. 
and he tears them up. He doesn't have, you know, he may bless them with finances sometimes for a period of time, but in the end, he usually tears them up too. But he wants you and I. He wants us. He wants us. That's what Satan wants. He wants to devour us. What was it Christ told Peter? He said, Satan hath desired to have you that he might sift you as wheat, but I prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. And then he goes ahead, what's the next thing? When thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. We all here, we don't know how much effect we have on other people. We don't know how much of a strength we can help our brothers and sisters. Sometimes we just go through life just kind of doing our own thing and just take all this for granted and you know everything's going okay and I'm doing my work I'm doing I'm doing my thing and then something hits us and just knocks us breath out of us. We've had that happen. Several of us have. But how many times has there been a brother or sister there that stepped up? And God used to strengthen us. We probably, all of us that have been through that in the body of Christ have probably experienced what it is to have someone that loves the Lord to step in and help us in our time of hardship. Verse 3, The Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered? Think about this. In the very beginning, God gave this glowing account of Job. Wouldn't we all love to have that kind of a glowing account by God Himself of how righteous man that Job that He was? That's what we we want that from our Lord. We want to hear when we stand before Him in the end. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. Be thy ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. We can have a taste of that today. A taste of that joy of our Lord today. There is none like him in the earth, a perfect and upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil, and still he holdeth fast his integrity, although thou movest me against him to destroy him without cause. And then we see Satan's way of thinking. Satan answered the Lord and said, Skin for skin, yea, all that a man hath will he give for his life. But put forth thine hand now and touch his bone and his flesh, and he will curse thee to thy face. Well, Satan knows the fleshly side of man pretty good, doesn't it? If we're not dependent on the Lord, this is probably what we would do. Probably what Job would have done, but we know he didn't. Let's go on. The Lord said, verse 6, The Lord said unto Satan, Behold, he is in thine hand, but save his life. So went Satan forth from the presence of the Lord and smote Job with sore boils from the sole of his foot, unto his crown, and he took him a potsherd to scrape himself with all, and he sat down among the ashes. A sad sight. A broken man, but he still retained his integrity. No, he didn't curse God. He was hurt. He was, I mean, think about it. If you were, I haven't had one of those boils in decades, but I, when I was a kid, we used to get boils once in a while. That's a pretty sore thing. Big old rise in there. From the, from the top of his head to the sole of his feet, he was covered with them. And he'd already suffered all these other things, and now his health is shocked. 
pretty tough situation sitting there in the dust and the ashes. The ashes being what people did during those times whenever they had a repentant heart toward God. They, they rent their garments and they sit down in the ashes. Think about that picture. Then said his wife unto him, Dost thou still retain thine integrity? Curse God and die. She was pretty distraught too. She was seeing her husband sitting there in the dirt, covered with sores, going through, had went through the same adversity with him that up to this point. She'd endured all that. And she says, Husband, why don't you just, just give it up? What's the use? That's the way it looked, wasn't it? You was, to anybody looking on, that's what it would look like. They didn't know what we know. They didn't see the end of Job and come back and read from the beginning. It looked desperate. It looked impossible. No doubt, she, she just didn't want to see her husband continue to suffer. So just get it over with. But he said unto her, Thou speakest as one of the foolish women speaketh. What shall we receive good at the hand of God? Shall we not receive evil? And all this did not Job sin with his lips. Now verse 11. Now there, when Job's three friends, now this is what, this is what the main thing I want us to think about today is, is how, how can we help our brother? How can we help our sister? How has God used our brothers and our sisters to help us in the past? Job's three friends heard of all this evil that was come upon him. They came, every man from his own place. Eliphaz the Temanite, Bildad the Shuhite, Zophar the name of Thite. For they had made an appointment together to come to mourn with him and to comfort him. So they, these friends of Job's, these were friends of Job's. Now we, we read through the, the whole book and we see they made some mistakes. They gave some bad advice. But they had good intentions now. They set up a time, so we're going to, all three of us, we're going to gather up here. We're going to see Job and go visit with him. We're going to try to help him. We're going to try to encourage him. And when they get up here in verse 12, when they lifted up their eyes afar off, they saw him over there in the distance. We're walking up to him, and they saw him, and they lift and knew him not. They didn't even recognize him. He was in such bad condition. They lifted up their voice and wept. You can't tell me they didn't love Job. They did. They lifted up their voice and wept and rent every man want his mantle and sprinkled dust upon their heads toward heaven. So they sat down with him upon the ground. Seven days and seven nights and none spake a word unto him. For they saw that his grief was very great. Sometimes, sometimes all you can do is just be there. Sometimes that's a lot. To know somebody loves you, that's a lot. It's not a small thing. Just being there is not a small thing. Sometimes that's all we can do. Sometimes we can do a lot more, but we can do that. We can do that. Let's look in 
in uh, Matthew. I got a long list of scriptures. We're probably not going to get to all of them, but we'll see how far. What time, Brother Tyler? What is it? Quarter till when you usually stop this section of services? Yeah. Let's let's uh, let's go to Matthew nine. Read about Jesus. Matthew nine and uh, thirty six through thirty eight. When he saw the multitudes, this speaking of Jesus, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. He had compassion on them. Then said he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Again, the example we read in Ephesians of Christ's love for the church. And husbands are loved their wives in that sacrificial way. We as members of the body of Christ are to love one another with that sacrifice. You see now, you see why there, what the Scriptures are saying when he says there's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Not every brother or sister in this world is going to stand by you like that. But God will. Christ will. And your brothers and sisters are there for that purpose too. Isn't that a wonderful thing? How blessed are we to have brothers and sisters in Christ that really do know what love is and are willing to step up and be, if it's like Job's friends, if he's just be sitting in the dust with us if it be a word of encouragement, whatever it is. You know, the wonderful thing about this, when we have the Spirit of God and the love of God in our hearts, His Spirit will let us know what to do. It'll let us know what to say. Sometimes it may be nothing. Sometimes it may be a a scripture or maybe just a word of encouragement. Sometimes it just might be a, a hug and to sit down and cry with someone. That's the friend that sticks closer than a brother. That's the friend in the body of Christ that sticks closer than our blood kin that doesn't that don't know God. I hope we never take those things take take that for granted. First Samuel eighteen, just a few verses here. Jonathan and David. 1 Samuel 18, verse 1. It came to pass when he, being David, had made an end of speaking unto Saul that the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. You get that? (laughs) Think about that, brothers and sisters. The soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Saul took him that day and let him go no more home to his father's house. And Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was upon him and gave it to David and his garments, even to his sword, his bow, and his girdle. Let's look in... The New Testament now in John 21. 
John 21. Oh, again, I want to read this chapter. I guess if you can't already tell, I love reading God's words. It's a blessing to me to, to read it and to think about it. John 21 and 1. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to a disciple at the Sea of Tiberias, and on this wise showed he himself. There were together Simon, Peter, and Thomas called Didymus, and Nathaniel of Canaan and Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples. Simon Peter saith unto them, I go fishing. They say unto him, We also go with thee. They went forth, entered into a ship immediately, and that night they caught nothing. This is not not what I turn over here to look at, but it's a blessing just to think about this, what's taking place here in these next few verses. When the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. And of course, this is after the, after the resur- cru- uh, crucifixion, death, burial, and resurrection. And Jesus said unto them, Children, have ye any meat? And they answered him, No. And he said unto them, Cast the net on the right side of the ship, and ye shall find... Now they probably thought, well, that's silly. We've been fishing all night here and haven't caught anything. What's going to be on the other side of the ship? We haven't already thrown it over there maybe 20 times. Nothing. They cast, therefore, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. Is there, remember the scriptures? Is there anything too Is there anything impossible for God? No. Verse 7, Therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved, I want us to consider that, remember that as we read the rest of this chapter, that disciple whom Jesus loved, saith unto Peter, It is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girded his fishers coat unto him, for he was naked and did cast himself into the sea. And the other disciples came in a little ship, for they were not far from land, but as it were two hundred cubits, dragging the net with fishes. As soon as they were come to land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid thereon in bread. Jesus saith unto them, Bring of the fish which ye have now caught. Simon Peter went up, drew the net to land, full of great fishes, a hundred and fifty and three. And for all there were so many, yet was not the net broken. We see miracle after miracle taking place here. Jesus saith unto them, Come and dine. None of the disciples just ask him, Who art thou, knowing that it was the Lord? Jesus then cometh and taketh bread, and giveth them and the fish likewise. This is now the third time that Jesus showed himself to his disciples after he was risen from the dead. So when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He saith to him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. He said to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He said to him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said to him, Lord, thou knowest all things, thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, Feed my sheep. Now, this is just... A little supposition for what it's worth. I wonder if Peter, when the Lord asked him that third time if he loved him, I wonder if he was thinking about those three times he denied him. But his answer here 
was Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. He did love him. He made a mistake back there on the, when, when that when the test came, and he regretted it. Now he he's moving on, but Christ told him, "Feed my sheep." Now, Brother Tyler, as your pastor, feeds the flock, but there's there's other kinds of feeding that goes on among the body of Christ. Like we've been talking about helping one another, encouraging one another. These things, these things are so wonderful and such a blessing to share in those things. So, so essential. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, when thou wast young, thou girdest thyself and walkest whither thou wouldest, but when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands, and another shall gird thee and carry thee whither thou wouldest not. This spake he signifying by what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he saith unto him, Follow me. Then Peter, turning about, <laughs> Peter's a lot, we're a lot like Peter sometimes, aren't we? Peter turned about and seeth the disciple whom Jesus loved following, which also leaned on his breast at supper, and said, Lord, which is he that betrayeth thee? Peter, seeing him, saith to Jesus, Lord, what shall this man do? Lord, what's so-and-so going to do? You want me to do this? What's he going to do over here? Jesus said to him, If I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? Follow thou me. Then went this saying abroad among the brethren, that that disciple should not die. Yet Jesus said not unto him, He shall not die. But if he will that I, if I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? This is the disciple which testifieth of these things and wrote these things and we know that his testimony is true and there are also many other things which Jesus did of which if they should be written everyone I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. Amen. Verse 20 again. Then Peter turning about seeth the disciple whom Jesus loved following which also leaned on his breast at supper and said Lord which is he that betrayeth thee. Now John had a very special relationship with Christ. They all, Christ loved them all. But there was there was some, a special relationship there. Special love. If the Lord gives us someone in our life like that, we're, we are blessed. Let's look on a little bit more and well let's, I'm going to skip down to the last one I got here and read it next John 19 because we're already talking about about the apostle John this is more of him John 19 25 this is when Christ is hanging on the cross now they stood by the cross of Jesus his mother now first off I'm, I'm sure we all know this the taking care of the mother fell to the eldest son. That was his job. Christ, being the eldest son, was was no less, probably a lot more concerned about fulfilling that than maybe most men would. But that was that was the job that fell to him to take care of his mother. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother and his mother's sister. Mary the wife of Cleopas and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus therefore saw his mother, 
and the disciple standing by whom he loved. John had this special relationship with Christ. He saith unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. Then saith he to this to the disciple, Behold thy mother. And from that hour that disciple took her into his own home. John Christ was providing for his mother as he hung on the cross. And he didn't he didn't do the worldly thing of the next child in line taking care of the next child. There were other children. Mary had several. Christ had brothers and sisters. There were other brothers that that probably should have been in line to take up that job. But Christ knew He knew what John would do. He knew he would take care of his mother. He didn't have to worry about how it was going to be. His soul was knit with John like David and Jonathan experienced. He knew. He knew who he could depend on. He could depend on his brother in the Lord more than he could depend on anybody else. And this brother in particular in a very special way. What a blessing. Now let's look in Philippians 2. I think time's about up. I'll try to go through this quickly. I want to catch a little of this. Philippians 2. And I want to read the whole chapter. We're going to drop down in verse 20. Well, let's, let's read the first two verses. If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies. Think about that. Consolation in Christ. Fellowship of the Spirit. Bowels and mercies. Fulfill you my joy that you be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. Now drop down in verse, verse 20. Verse uh, 19. Paul said, I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timotheus shortly unto you that I may also be of good comfort when I know your state. For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. For all seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ. You know, it would be wonderful if everybody in the body of Christ if Paul could have said, everybody I know, you're all my brother here are going to have this care for you, and I can send any of them. That wasn't what he said. Brothers and sisters, let's let you and I strive to be that person who naturally cares for the estate of our brothers and sisters above our own, not just equal with ourselves, but above, like Christ. Now verse... 26, verse 25, Yet I supp- verse 24, But I trust in the Lord that I also myself shall come shortly, yet I suppose it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and my and companion in labor and fellow soldier, but your messenger and, the men- and he that ministereth, ministereth to my wants, for he longed after you all. Think about this. Now, he longed after you all and was full of heaviness because that he had heard he had heard that he had been sick 
For indeed he was sick nigh unto death, but God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but also on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I sent him therefore the more carefully that when you see him again you may rejoice, and that I may be the less sorrowful. Receive him therefore in the Lord with all gladness, and hold such in reputation, for because for the work of Christ he was nigh unto death, not regarding his life to supply your lack of service toward me. Brothers and sisters, by God's grace, let's let's be that person that we enjoyed and were comforted by. Let's in our affliction, let's be that person for others. We don't know what today is going to bring. We don't know how long we're going to live. We don't know what joys the Lord has in front of us or what trials. We don't know. But thank the Lord we got one another in the body of Christ. Let's don't forget. Let's don't get caught up in our own little world and our own problems and forget what we're here for. Remember what what was the thing that Christ said was how all men are you going to know you're my disciples by the love you have for one another. Thank God for that. We are so blessed to be part of the body of Christ and to share in His love.